Welcome to episode number two of the Grab Blogger podcast, where we help academics build businesses and change the world through blogging, podcasting, and video. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney, and in today's episode, we're talking about three steps to build a community around your blog. So those of you that are coming in from the previous episode, you'll know that these these first three episodes of the Grab Blogger podcast are really both the key elements that you need to, to build a blog that's sustainable, that can cause change in your industry, and that can eventually become a business and something that you you work towards from that aspect. So these three elements are content, community, and change. These are the, the three C's, as I call them. So the first episode and the last episode, which I'd encourage you to listen to if you, you haven't heard yet, is on content. How to create content, what kind of stuff you should be writing about, and some tips and tricks and tools that you need along the way. This episode's about how to build a community around your blog. This is really a critical element to take it from just kind of a hobby or something that you're doing just to just to practice writing this thing out there to actually building some authority in this field that you're working in. So in today's episode, we'll be talking about why building a community is important, and I'll actually share a story with you about that. We'll talk about three steps to actually building a community, what, what can you do on your blog to help do that. We'll talk about advanced tips to engaging that community, and then I'll end with what I call a, a word of caution, or at least something to be ready for, something to be thinking about during this whole process. So by introducing why I think this whole process is important and why it's been important in building my business, and I think it's important for yours, I want to actually share a story from, from a book by Seth Godin. You may, you may be aware of this book. It's called Tribes. It describes how he sees people being able to become a leader, either in their respected fields or just in the, the groups that they associate with, and how they can actually use that to incite a movement, or what he calls cause a ruckus. So I want to read a bit from starting at page 28, where he has a section called Leading from the Bottom with a Newsletter. So in this kind of story, he goes through and explains that in 1984, he was 24, and he joined a tiny software company called Spinnaker. I should have probably got the enunciation figured out before I started this, but uh, we'll leave that in. This is real recording in real time. So this is based in Cambridge, and it was a small software company. And his task, his goal, or the, the reason he's brought on, was so that they could take science fiction stories and start to turn them into literary adventure games. So this was really software development. They were creating software programs that ran these games. So he was basically gave with this, this really big task to develop these games, um, but he had no staff. He had no engineering team. There were 40 engineers at the company at the time, but he had no way really to influence them because he had no direct authority over them. So his solution and the solution that he talks about in the beginning of this book, Tribes, was to start what he called, well, to start a newsletter, actually. So twice a week, he'd send out a newsletter. And in that, he would highlight what the different members of the company were doing. He'd celebrate their successes. And he'd just talk about his own project a little bit, but mostly really about around the engineers that were already involved. He found that within a month, six engineers had defected to what he called his tribe. Over time... In a couple months, he found that almost every engineer on the team of 40 engineers were either working directly on this project, had requested to work on this project, or were moonlighting for his project. They wanted to be part of something that mattered. And this newsletter, this community started to build, was something that mattered. The narrative that he had in there, the journey that he was telling, was something they wanted to be involved in. And he mentioned that even 20 years later, he's, he's talking with these people and realizes they're still bringing up that that time in their life it was really exceptional for them. I just want to share the last paragraph from the small section where he, he, he writes, is that all I did was just launch a newsletter? Of course not. I did difficult things. I pushed obstacles out of the way, lived and breathed the project, injected it with soul. 30 of us slept in the office every night for a month 
to make the ship date. 29 highly skilled technical people and me. Everyone had a job to do that month and mine was to help everyone else communicate. Everything I did was for us, not for me. I didn't manage, I led. And that story really resonated me with me when I read Tribes. And it kind of resonated with me when I developed my blog and started to build this community around it. And that's why community is important. Sure, you can put this material into the world and you start creating content and shipping it, which you need to do. That's a muscle you need to exercise. You can see the last podcast episode to, to hear my thoughts about that. But you also need to build this community to amplify that message, to be able to get out there knocking on doors and doing things like, you know, having the 30 people sleep overnight in order to make the project ship date. In his case, and for that case, that may be really having people behind you to back you, maybe financially, but more in a general sense to back you philosophically or with the processes that you want to put in place to see the change that you want in the world. So that's why I think that community step is really important. And today I'm going to share with you some things that you need to do, some steps you should follow to build that community. Um, again, these are really tactile steps, sort of things that you can do right now once you have a blog and you're building that out to grow a community within it. So this first step, and it's something I kind of fell onto looking in the online marketing literature and just blogging in general, not necessarily academic blogging like we're talking about today, was the expert roundup post. So if you if you listen to online marketing podcasts enough, eventually come across this term of, and I'll use air quotes, expert roundup post. And normally this is where you send a question to a whole bunch of people that own blogs and they'll send back a response and it won't take long to, to realize that these experts aren't actually experts in their field but they're just people that have done either good things and they have tools and tips to share that got me thinking well what if you actually did do an expert roundup post so in march of 2017 my blog was five or six months old i actually did the world's first expert roundup post for my topic which was industrial safety and industries handling powder materials so this roundup post included 30 experts from around the world, had something like 12 different countries involved. About half the people had PhDs in that field. The other half had, you know, 20, 30. I think our longest time person in the field was 50 years of experience. And altogether, there was over 900 years of experience in this roundup post. And each person sent a response to two questions. One was, what is the number one problem facing industries handling combustible dust? Again, that was my topic. Number two was the number one difficulty in dust explosion and fire research. So you can think of, you could insert fire and explosion research or combustible dust with your exact research field was number one problem facing industries involved in this type of science or was number one difficulty in this type of history research, whatever it is, you could put that in there. And this round of posts has been really a, a cornerstone of my work. It's had, since I released it in March of 2017, 2,687 views. That's 119 a month or four a day, an average of four a day since I sent it out. Obviously, it was really high when I first launched it, but now it's still getting consecutive views on my website every day. And it's just really a high value thing. And I share it through social media and the people involved are really thankful to have it because they could then also share it. And it was really a big key to me starting to develop a community around my website, my blog, because all these experts actually shared it. They shared it with their friends, with their colleagues, and that started to really bring my blog into the map and make connections for me. So I'm gonna give you a really quick overview of how you can do this sort of roundup post. We will probably do a further podcast episode just on roundup posts. That's how I think effective they could be in, in developing your grab blog. But the first thing to do is to create a template email. If you try to send very personalized, highly specific emails to each person in the roundup post, then you'll probably not really get through with it because it's a ton of work to create one of these. So the first thing is to create a template email. 
This email should be short, but explain fully the whole process. So in my case, I, I mentioned that I'm putting together a web article on the opinions of industry leaders and academic experts regarding combustible dust fire. Then I said my two questions. So state what you actually want them to answer and then tell them what you're actually doing. So in the first case, I said, I'm sending it to 20 experts from around the world and the responses will be collected and put on the, the website and blog that I run. Um, for each response, I'm going to include the, the actual response text, a uh, short bio, a photo of the individual and a link back to their website. This kind of gives them some, some reason to do that. And then thank them for being involved or for the potential to be involved. And what I'd say with these emails is they should really have limited personalization. I think I'm just looking at mine right now, which I'll actually include instructions on how you can get this example template that I used at the end of the podcast episode. But I think I only had the name being very specific. Uh, let me take a look. I did, yeah. So it's just high name. I'm putting together a web article on the opinions of industry leaders and academic experts regarding, regarding dust, fire, and explosion. I have these two questions, and then I go from there. So that way you don't end up messing up. I just change that name field. If you have too many fields that are changeable, you end up sending the you know a mismatch of things to the wrong people, which can kind of make that person not want to respond. So that's the process that I went through to actually create this round of posts. And then you send that email out to in a campaign, and we'll go over what an email campaign looks like again in another podcast. Um, but there's a couple key things I want to highlight. You should definitely follow up two days after you send the original email. In the original email, you need to say what date you're accepting responses by. It should be probably about a month out, maybe a couple weeks out. But two days after sending that original email, send a follow-up. And you'll hear this kind of me beating this drum a lot through the Grab Blogger podcast material, but you need to send follow-up emails because most of your responses actually come in the follow-up. And I have numbers for my Roundup post, but I don't have them here. I think over half the responses I got out of 30, so 15, were from people following up. And they generally say, oh, thank you for the reminder. I meant to do it, but I kind of set it aside and forgot to come back to it. I really appreciate you involving me. Um, normally when you're about to send this follow-up email, you think that they're going to think you are um, being intrusive and that it's not a good process and that they'll be really mad, but they're actually really thankful to have that follow-up. So then you want to organize the responses. Once you have something together, you want to tell them the experts that you've collected when it's coming. So maybe a week ahead, tell them when it's live and encourage them to share both when you send, we tell them it's coming and when you tell them it's live, then send another email like a week later and just say, Hey, these are the results. We had 300, 400, 500 people view it and it's gone really well. And that will kind of encourage them to share and also be thankful for the process as well. So that's step one to building a community around your blog, because now you have this list of experts that have responded to you and really like what you're doing. And literally any PhD topic, I think you could do this. Um, the scary part is sending the email out and that's really the hard part. I sent, in the end, I sent 60 emails. The reason I suggest starting with just 10 or 20 is that once you get a couple in, then you can start to say in the subsequent emails, hey, we had 10 responses or this person might be involved. Kind of use that to bolster your responses. 60 was a lot. It took me two months to actually put this round of posts together. You may want to dial it back, especially if you know some of the experts that you're emailing, just because it is, is quite a bit of work. So step number two in building a community is to create your own newsletter. You heard it in the, the excerpts I just read from Seth Godin, leading from the bottom with a newsletter in brackets, that the newsletter is really an important part. And you may not know what goes in your newsletter right away, and that's okay. Start collecting emails. You, all you need is a form on your website, and then you can use more kind of sophisticated ways down the road. But start collecting emails and sending out a newsletter. My first month and a half of newsletters, there were three people on the list, my mother, my wife, and my aunt. And I treat it like they were a real audience because it actually gave me practice. 
I get to practice when the stakes weren't so high. But then once I get my first person that signed up that was a real person, I had already had some experience with what I've been doing in my newsletter and I felt a little more comfortable with it. Then once I had 10 people and then once I had 100, now I have you know, over uh, 1,000 or 1,500 people on that newsletter related to combustible dust. It's less nerve wracking. So you got to get started. So there's two keys that I include in getting started. One is you don't need necessarily your own content. Step one to building your blog, we said content, community, and change. Step one is content. You need to be creating your own content, but you don't need to populate the entire newsletter. You can use what's called other people's content or OPC. And I mentioned this in the last podcast episode about using Google Alerts to pull that material in so you can do review posts about it. Um, But I actually use Google Alerts to get information and I'd share highlights of the things going on in my field. So each time, each week I'd receive my Google Alerts with my list of things that's going on. I took the top five of those and include those in a section of the newsletter said what's going on in our field. Um, I'd include any new stuff that I put in and that was really my newsletter. I didn't do anything too fancy and it's still not that fancy today. And I'll include in the show notes at grabblogger.com slash two for this episode. I'll actually include an example or a link to where you can see what my newsletter looks like today. It's pretty simple, but it's grown now to, to over 1,500 people in my field. So now we covered step one and step two, creating a roundup post, creating a newsletter. The third step is to allow guest posts on your website. I know what you're thinking. You're probably saying, well, we already covered this in the content generation section, and that's because it plays double duty. This is really and truly a huge community builder. Allowing people to share their expertise on your blog is a great way to bring them into your ecosystem because they'll be more likely to share that post with their community, and that'll help you kind of grow that way. So you can find these people through the social media networks that you're on, on LinkedIn. Just say, hey, I'm taking guest posts on these topics. Something's really specific in your field. Would you like to contribute? Also, there's another reason I have a newsletter. If you put out in your newsletter, you're taking guest posts, that's a great way to get people in. Some, some tips on this is you should have a defined process to take these guest posts and edit them and put them through. I call this a standard operating procedure. Actually define how you do it. Send them the instructions and have these same instructions that you send each person that contributes collect the responses in the format you would best like them, do the editing process, get the final review checked off by them, and send it in. That would be a good kind of SOP for having guest posts on your website. If you don't have a process and you do everyone ad hoc, it's going to take up a lot of your extra time. Then the final tip with guest posts is that you should be, again, we talked about this in the last podcast, but stacking this content. So when I was taking guest posts through the latter half of 2017, while I was coming close to the end of my thesis work, I actually did what I call the guest post roundup. This isn't the same as a roundup for the expert roundup, but I did LinkedIn posts that were guest post roundups for the month of November, for the month of December, and so on. I'd actually just list the two or three or four posts that we had, a short summary in the LinkedIn article, and that helps draw people into that content and back to your website. And again, it's just reusing what you already have existing, this kind of stacking content idea. So those are the three steps I recommend to building a community around your blog. Step one, create and do a roundup post. You can start off small because they do take a lot of work. I reached out 60 people, I had 30 people reply. It took me about two months to get that out there. But it was very, very, very high value content that people still talk about today. Step two, create your own newsletter. This is a must to be building a community. You need to have this. Step three is to allow guest posts on your website. Those people will also share your website. It's a good way to increase the community that you're working with. So now I want to turn my attention to some advanced tips. These are kind of next level things that you can be doing to help build out your community more. Um, and I'm going to give you three tips. feels like today's, this podcast is the, the podcast of threes. We had three steps and now we're going to do three advanced tips. So the first one is to use what's called social proof on your website. So this is 
testimonials. This is people coming in um, and seeing that there's other people watching or listening to you already. And that makes them feel, want to feel engaged. So a good way to do this is just to contact people that are already on your newsletter that you know are following you and just say, hey, can you say something nice about my website or what do you think about what I'm doing? Actually, that's probably a better question. If you say, what do you think about what I'm doing? And they say something nice and say, hey, could I feature that on the website? And you could get some nice testimonials that way pretty easily. What I did was I actually included, because my blog is very industrial focused, I just emailed companies directly and said, hey, would you like to include your logos on the community section of my website? And that way, when people come in, they'd say, here's all the people that are involved in the community. I think I had it up to 30 or 40 logos at one point. And then companies were actually calling and emailing me saying, how do I get my logo up on your website? How much do I need to pay to do that? And I tell them it's free. It's just part of the community. These are people that are involved. Um, just send your logo through and we'd love to have it. So there's lots of good ways to build that social proof on your website. And the first step is kind of just reaching out to these groups. A second advanced tip is what I call, or well, I've heard other people call it making people famous. So in this case, you're and famous is probably too big a word for an academic blog, but it's giving people shout outs and being very liberal with kind of what you're doing for them. So in my case, if anyone in my field received an award, um, did anything that I thought was really great, or just, you know, they published their own blog post or any helpful educational material, I would share that in my newsletter. I'd share that on LinkedIn, um, the social platform that I worked on the most, and tag them and make them kind of feel special. This making people famous works the best when you know the person and the person knows you and the whole community that you're building also knows the both of you. I do this very often in presentations. I'll bring up a, an example of something that someone in my field did. Um, I'll talk about that example in a very favorable fashion and really highlight what they did well. And then that kind of gets back to them at some point or maybe they're at the conference. And that's a really great way to, to make people feel special and included in your community. And then the third advanced tip I want to say is track your progress as you go. So I literally did this. When we hit 25 people on my newsletter, I put it in the newsletter and say, this is amazing. We hit 25 people. Here's the countries that they're from. I do a LinkedIn post, say, okay, well, we have 100 people in the newsletter now. Here's the different industries that they're involved in. If you track your progress publicly, this is a really great way to start and continue to strengthen those bonds and tighten that community. So now we've talked about the three steps that I suggest using to, to build this community, some advanced tips on how to tighten it, how to make it more accessible, how to make people want to be involved. Now I want to talk a little bit about kind of a word of caution. And this is, this is actually a positive thing masked in a word of caution, but I just think it's worth saying. And I actually, I'll share a quote that I read this morning in a book I was reading that, that kind of shows this. But when you're doing this, when you're creating this newsletter, when you're creating this, even this blog or this podcast, you're moving whether or not you like it into the world of personal branding. So you're going to be kind of up on this pedestal and you've got your microphone out and you're doing all this talking. Literally, I have my microphone out right now. Even if you're, if you're written, you're doing a written blog, you'll still be kind of seen as this. And this is a really scary thing for a lot of people. I know I was really nervous about it, but it's also a really interesting process and it's kind of highlighted. I want to highlight this quote that I read. This was this morning from a book actually in my field called By Accident, A Life Preventing Them in Industry. It's written by the, the late Trevor Kletz, who's sort of a really big figure in industrial safety. He's done a lot of the, the groundwork on where we're at today in this kind of field. And this was his autobiography. And he, he mentioned in his whole process, actually in this book, he mentions that a newsletter, a safety newsletter with the company he's working with, which was the largest chemical manufacturer in the United Kingdom at the time, was how he got seen as the top technical safety advisor. So there's another newsletter tip there. But the quote that he says is that 
However, once you become a recognized expert, you may find that your tentative proposals become carved in tablets of stone. So just by putting yourself out there, creating content and creating this community, you will start to be seen as the leader. And it gets really scary because when you say something, even if it's a tentative proposal, it's almost like it's carved in stone because you're kind of building this personal brand. And I would agree that that's scary, but I encourage you to embrace it. Because with this responsibility and this community that you're building, you can actually do something truly remarkable in the world. In our case, we're looking to, over the next 20-year period, have at least one year with zero fatalities due to dust explosions. And that's kind of based on the back of my PhD research in the physics and chemistry of dust explosions, moving into the practical aspects of my blog and research. And now that's the kind of change that we want to see in the world now that we've built this large community of people that are, are aligned in the same way. So that's it for this episode of the Grab Blogger podcast. We, we talked about how to build a community around your blog, three steps, creating a roundup post, creating your own newsletter, allowing guest posts on your websites, and then we talked about some advanced tips. And then we talked about some of the mental kind of barriers and things you're going to run into. And we'll definitely cover that more wholly and fully as we, as we get further along in the podcast and future episodes. And I just wanted to mention a resource that we're building up on the website that you can get at the show notes at grabblogger.com slash two for this episode. And that's actually the email templates that I use to build up my website, Dust Safety Science, my business, DustX Research. And the first of these that we'll include is this email template for the roundup post. So the actual email that I sent out to the 60 experts um, and the follow-up emails to get those responses. And what we're going to do is actually build this up as a resource that you can access, get access to from grabblogger.com where I'm going to use all the or list all the campaign emails that I've sent throughout things like this roundup post, but also things later on, like how I brought on advertisers or sponsors for my website. And we're going to put all that in one spot where you can go get it. Um, and the first thing that will be there, so if you're listening to this as it comes out, will be these roundup post templates. But then if you're listening to it in the future, we'll also have lots of other great material there. Basically everything that I sent as an email campaign to build my business to where it is today. Be sure to click to the next episode, which is focusing on creating the change that you want to see in the world from your grad blog. And in this episode, I'll be actually introducing a concept called Research Pays Me, which is sort of a bold statement, but one that I've, I've seen used in other areas. Um, and I'll explain that more in the podcast episode, but it really is how to get the right mindset on making a business from what you're doing and then how that can actually be folded back into seeing the change that you want to create in the world. If you want to help the Grab Blogger podcast, please go to iTunes or whichever place you're listening to this on and like the podcast or follow along, um, and that will really help the audience grow. If you want to go leave us a review, that would also be tremendously helpful. I'd be very, very appreciative. Feel free to give me a shout out at grabblogger.com, and we will see you there. So we'll talk soon. I look forward to the next episode on looking at the change you want to create in the world with your blog. Mm-hmm.